Swiss Family Robinson, Chapter Thirteen: Conversation, A Walk, and Important Discoveries. Jack had finished the trial of his arrows. They flew to admiration, and he practiced his new art incessantly. Little Francis waited with impatience for the moment when he should try also, and followed with his eyes every stroke I made. But when I had finished my bow and prepared some little arrows for him, I must next undertake to make him a quiver. I took some bark from the branch of a tree which came off in a round form, and folding the edges over each other, I stuck them together with some glue produced from our soup cakes. I next stuck on a round piece to serve for the bottom, and then tied to it a loop of string which I hung round his neck. He put his arrows into it, and quite happy, took his bow in his hand, and ran to try his skill by the side of his brother. Fritz had also cleaned and prepared his materials for the cases. When his mother summoned us to dinner, we cheerfully placed ourselves under the shade of a tree, round the table I had manufactured. At the end of the repast, I made the following proposition to the boys, which I was sure would give them pleasure. What think you, my good friends, said I, of giving a name to the place of our abode, and to the different parts of the country which are known to us? I do not mean a general name to the whole island, but to the objects we are most concerned with. This will make us better understand each other when conversing about them, and also present to us the soothing illusion of inhabiting a country already known and peopled. They all exclaimed joyfully that the idea was excellent. Jack, oh, pray, father, let us invent some very long names and that are very difficult to be pronounced. I should be glad that those who shall read about us should be a, a little puzzled to remember the names of the places and things that belong to us. What pains has it not cost me to remember their Monomotapa, their Zangubar, their Coromandel, and many others still more difficult? Ah, oh, now we shall take our revenge of them. Father, this would be well if it were probable that our history in this country and the names we shall have bestowed were likely to be objects of public curiosity. But in the meanwhile, you forget that our own organs will be fatigued by frequently pronouncing such barbarous words as you propose. Jack, how shall we manage then? What pretty names can we find? Father, we will do all sorts of nations have done before us. We will call the places by different words from our own language that shall express some particular circumstance with which we have been concerned. Jack, well, so we will. I shall like this still better. Where shall we begin? Father, we shall naturally begin with the bay by which we entered this country. We shall, what shall we call it? What say you, Fritz? You must speak first, for you are the eldest. Fritz, let's call it Oyster Bay. You remember what quantities of oysters we found in it? Jack, oh no, let it rather be called Lobster Bay, for you cannot have forgot what a large one it was that caught hold of my leg, and which I carried home to you. Ernest, why, then we may as well call it the Bay of Tears, for you must remember that you blurbered loud enough for all of us to hear you. My wife, my advice would be that out of gratitude to God, who conducted us hither in safety, we ought to call it Providence Bay, or Bay of Safety. Father, these words are both appropriate, and sonorous and please me extremely, but what name shall we give to the spot where we first set up our tent? Fritz, let's call it simply Tent House. 
father. That will do very well. And the little outlet at the entrance of Providence Bay, in which we found so many planks and beams that enabled us to make our bridge, how should it be named? Ernest, it may be called Seagull Island or Shark Island, for it was here we saw those animals. Father, I am for the last of these names, Shark Island. For it was the shark that was the cause of the seagulls being there, and thus we shall also have a means of commemorating the courage and triumph of Fritz who killed the monster. Jack, for the same reason we will call the marsh in which you cut the canes for our arrows, Flamingo Marsh. Father, quite right, I think. And the plain through which we passed on our way to this place, Porcupine Field, in memory of your skillful encounter with the animal. But now comes the great question. What name shall we give to our present abode, Ernest? It ought to be called simply Tree Castle. Fritz, no, no, that will not do at all. That is the same as if when we wanted to name a town, we called it the town. Let us invent a more noble name. Jack, yes, so we will. I say Fig Town. Fritz, ha, ha, ha. A noble name, it must be confessed. Let us call it the Eagle's Nest, which I'm sure has a much better sound. Besides, our habitation in the trees is really much more like a nest than a town, and the Eagle cannot but ennoble it, since he is the kings of birds. Father, will you let me decide the question for you? I think our abode should be called the Falcon's Nest, for you are not a arrived at the dignity of eagles, but are two truly poor simple birds of prey, and like the falcon, you also are, I trust, obedient, docile, active, and courageous. Ernest can have no objection to this, for as he knows, falcons make their nests in large trees. All exclaimed, clapping their hands, yes, yes, we will have it the falcon's nest. The sound is quite chivalrous, so he'll... Health to Falcon's Nest Castle, cried they all, looking up to the tree and making low bows. I poured out a small quantity of sweet wine and presented it to each to solemnize our baptism. Now then, said I, for the promontory, where Fritz and I in vain wearied our eyes in search of our companions of the vessel, I think it may properly be called Gape Disappointment All. Yes, this is excellent, and the river with the bridge. Father, if you wish to commemorate one of the greatest events of our history, it ought to be called the Jackal's River, for though these animals crossed it when they came and attacked us. And it was there that one of them was killed. The bridge I should name Family Bridge, because we were all employed in its construction and all crossed it together in our way to this place. Let me ask y'all if it will not be a great pleasure to converse about the country we inhabit now that we have in situated names as if everything belonged to us. Ernest, it will be just as if we had farms and country houses all dependent upon our castle. Francis, it is the same as if we were kings. My wife, and the queen mother is not without hope that her little slips of majesty will conduct themselves mercifully towards their subjects, the birds, the agoutis, the geese, and the flamingos, the... What more shall I say, for I do not know the family name of all your vassals. Let me therefore end by hoping that you will not depopulate your kingdom. Fritz, no, mother, we will take care of that. We will endeavor to extirpate only those among our subjects who are wicked. In this pleasing kind of chat, the time of dinner passed agree agreeably away. 
We settled the basis of a geography of this our new country and amused ourselves with saying that it must go by the first post to Europe. As the evening advanced and the intense heat of the day began to diminish, I invited all my family to take a walk. Leave your work for this time, my boy, said I, and let us make a short excursion. Let us seek in the beautiful face of nature, the traces of the wisdom and goodness of the Creator. Which way shall we direct our steps? Fritz, let us go to Tenthouse, Father. We are in want of powder and shot for the little consumers of our figs. Nor must we miss our dinner for tomorrow, or forget that we are to secure a supply for winter. My wife, I too vote that tent ha for tent house. My butter is nearly gone, for Fritz took an unreasonable share for his new trade of tanning. Also, I have never failed to observe that those who most zealously preach a life of frugality and economy are at least as well satisfied as the rest when I present them with a savory dinner. Ernest, if we go to tent house, let us try to bring away some of the geese and ducks with us. They will look very well swimming about in our stream here by Falcon's Nest. Jack, I will undertake to catch them. If any one will help to bring them home, Francis and I will catch my handkerchief full of lobsters in the Jackal's River, and we will put them into Falcon's Stream, where no doubt they will thrive to admiration. Father, you really all of you assign such good reasons that I see I must yield to them. To Ten House, then, we will go, but we will not take our accustomed road along the seashore, but rather vary our pleasure by trying to explore some other way. We will keep along our own little stream as far as the wall of rocks. It will be easy for us to cross it by jumping from stone to stone, and so to get to Ten House. We will return with our provisions by the road of Family Bridge and along the seashore. This new route may possibly furnish some additional discoveries. My idea was highly applauded and all was soon arranged for our setting out. Fritz was adorned with his fine tiger cat made belt. Jack had his belt also armed with two pistols round his waist. Each carried a gun and a game bag. Even little Francis had his bow in his hand and his quiver on his shoulder. Their mother was the only person not burdened with a gun, but she carried her large butter pot to fill it at our large storehouse. Turk marched before us with his coat of mail studded with spikes, but it was apparent that he felt intimidated and ill at ease. His step was therefore slow and quiet. Our route along the stream was at first extremely agreeable, being sheltered by the shade of large trees, while the ground under our feet was a short and soft kind of grass. To prolong the pleasure of our walk, we proceeded slowly, amusing ourselves with looking about us to the right and left. The eldest boys made frequent escapes on before, so that we sometimes lost sight of them. In this manner, we reached the end of the wood, but the country now appearing to be less open, we thought it would be prudent to bring our whole company together. On looking forward, we saw the boys approaching us full gallop, and this time, for a wonder, the grave Ernest was first. He reached me panting for breath and so full of joy and eagerness that he could not pronounce a single word distinctly. But he held out his hand, which contained three little balls of a light green color. We have found a prize indeed, father, cried he at last, when he had received, covered his voice. We have found some potato seed. What say you, potato seed? inquired I joyfully. Have you really been so fortunate? Come near, every one of you, and let me look at your little balls, for I scarcely dared believe in so happy an event as the discovery of a plant 
which would place us forever beyond the reach of hunger and even of apprehension. We all hastened to the place where these tubercles had been gathered, and with extreme joy we found there a large plantation of potato plants. A number of them were covered with their lilac and yellow blossoms, the sight of which conveyed more pleasure to our hearts than if they had been the most fragrant roses. Jack bawled out, jumping for joy. They are really potatoes, and though it was not I who discovered them, at least it shall be I who will dig them up. Saying this, he knelt down and began to scratch them up from the earth with his hands. The rest of us, unwilling to be idle spectators, set to work also with our knives and sticks. We soon procured a sufficient number to fill our bags and our pockets. They are, observed I, different kinds of vegetables, more succulent and more delicate than the potato, but it is this plain sustenance that can be eaten for the longest time together without satiety. Accordingly, food of this nature, such as bread, rice, potatoes, obtains on the whole a preference over provisions possessing a higher flavor. Can you tell me, boys, the reasons for this? Ernest, I know it is because they are more wholesome. Jack, and because they occasion no disgust, I could eat potatoes every day of my life without being tired of them. Father, all you say is true. In future they will serve us for bread, and often indeed for our whole dinner. But let us for the present dismiss the subject of our unexpected good fortune and resume our expedition.